When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome, Judd's Hockey Show. That's right, the first episode of Judd's Hockey Show uh, with the Minnesota Wild having begun the preseason and training camp. It's Zolgad, it's Declan Goff, and um, Declan, let's start here. For as many conversations as we've had about our expectations for this hockey team in 2019-20, and I think... Tempered expectations would be a fair yeah, term to yeah, use. Probably. Uh, you came across one that is uh, far more optimistic about this team's potential. Yeah, Dom Luz. I'm just going to call him Dom Luz because I cannot pronounce his last name. If we get him on the show, What's I his will last gl- name spelled? You ready for this? Yes. L-U-S. L-U-S. Yep. Z-C-Z. Y-S-Z-Y-N. Let's just call him Dom. Dom. My name is My name is Zolgad, and... I struggle with that one. And my so. name is Declan, so no one spells it right either, so I completely understand where he's coming from. We can bond about it at another time. Uh, Dom is doing a great season preview of every team, basically, mm-hmm. and he's using um, uh, his own little model uh, for projecting points and how far the team could go, where could they land in the division, you know, how deep a postseason run they can go. And obviously, as you said, you know, we've been had tempered expectations of the Wild, but Dom actually believes the Wild could be a 93-point team. And be on the cusp of, now, he doesn't have them, you know, for sure in the playoff picture. He has them fifth in the Central and 16th overall in the NHL. So I guess theoretically, if if it was going split down the middle, eight and eight from the West to the East, yes, the Wild would be that last team in. Uh, But that's a little bit more bullish, I think, than most people have. And the reason he is mostly bullish is because of the Wild's blue line. Uh, because how good we all know the wild strength this year is going to be their defense, with especially with Matt Dumba healthy and uh, Ryan Suter now entering year two after a, a rough year with with his injury. We obviously know Jared Spurgeon, who, who's very good, and Jonas Brodin's a sound defenseman. So we know how good the Wild's defense is. But where he says the Wild are going to you know struggle is with goaltending, as Devin Dubnik had his worst year uh, of of his career, or at least with the Wild uh, this past season, and the fact that. The metrics say, and, and anyone who's watched Devin Dubnik can also say this, he can make a great save on a high-leverage shot, but then he'll let in a soft goal. Sure. And, and and he's a very system goaltender, and the reason his numbers look so good is because the Wilds' defense is so good, and they they put him in a good position to succeed. So that was number that was the biggest factor in why they could struggle, and also just from the fact that the Wilds don't have a top-line center, don't have a superstar. They have good depth. They have good depth, obviously. We know how, how uh, many players are in camp right now. Uh, but it, it's definitely a little bit more, I think, bullish than m- what most people have, have projected, especially locally, um, that the Wild could, end up, could still end up being a 93-point team. But at the end of the day, I, I think he has a great line where he says the Wild you know, are just simply 
stuck in the middle. You know, they, they, they're not good. They're not bad enough to tank. They're not good enough to go on a run. They're stuck in that 11, 12 draft pick slot, most likely. Um, and, and it's, it's a very interesting article because at, it's at the athletic and he's going down each, each team by team. This was released just last week. So it's, it's a very interesting article. I highly recommend checking it out and, and it, it's, it's really good stuff. That's exactly right though. They yeah. are stuck. And I'm looking here. Let's see. So 93 points last year. Um, I'm looking at the the Colorado Avalanche were the last team in the yeah. playoffs last year at 90 points. Vegas had 93. Dallas had 93. 93 to me is optimistic, and I'm with them. I like this defense. Yeah. I might not love it, but I like it. I'm a big Dumba guy. Spurgeon, I have no idea of Spurgeon's style of play and, and we can certainly talk about this when we get into his contract. I have no idea if his style of play translates to playoff success yeah. in, in the future. We talked about that. But a regular season player, right. he's very good. Uh, Suter is, I think he should play less, but he's a stabilizer back there. For sure. But I just can't get I can't get past the fact that not only is there no top-line center right now, but there doesn't appear to be one who's even close to being that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you told me, listen, if the Buffalo Sabres had called you last year and said, give us a ransom for Ryan O'Reilly, and now you, you had him like St. Louis did, my, my whole outlook of this team is entirely different probably. 100%. But they don't have that guy. No. And the Dubnik thing that I am perplexed about is, and I don't know if you agree with this st- uh, statement or not. I'm thinking out loud here. Dubnik is an old-school goaltender. He plays a lot. The goaltending in the National Hockey League in 2019-20, Declan, seems to be very much akin to probably running back in football. Sure. Which is you don't have your workhorse now. You know, Dalvin Cook's great, but he gets spelled, mm-hmm. right? And and lots of teams try and have two guys. And if you look at goaltending throughout this league, yet yes, you'd love to ride a guy through the playoffs, but regular season, you've got two guys that you can pretty much trust. The Wild clearly, because Stalock does not play much, doesn't yeah. have that. And so Dubnik has – so when Dubnik goes into to these spells where things go bad, they don't have a guy where they could be like, okay, you're going to play a lot now. Yeah. Or you're going to play – and then Devin – and Devin seems to want to play, which shouldn't matter to them. They should just be like, Devin, you're not playing. Um, and so between I, – I agree with Dom on goaltending and the center thing, and I guess I can't get past that and say, I think this is – but stuck in the middle – how long have we discussed this? Yeah. That that's them in a nutshell. Yeah, for the last three years. Stuck now. in the middle. And he had a he had a great line where he summarized it as I was talking about before. He said, This team is built to win every game two to one. A fine plan in theory and every coach's dream, but maybe not in practice. Last year's demise shows the exact problem of trying to win such slow paced, low scoring affairs, and it leaves more room for Lady Luck to have a say in the score. In high scoring affairs, skill shines through, and with this team being on low on it, the strategy to slow the game down and win. With their ex- with their exceptional defense makes sense, but when you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So I mean that that is kind of well, how how they look. And if that's the case, one it, it at times flies in the face of how I'm sure Bruce Boudreaux would like to coach sure. at times. The other thing though is that then you're like the Vikings, and your goaltender has to be great. Yeah, for you even to have a shot. And at that's being not realistic. Legitimate, exactly. That's not realistic, but. Stuck is the problem, too, because now, okay, the Dom's point, you're drafting 12th. Right. You're drafting 15th. Yeah. You're getting a decent draft pick, but you're not getting a, a transformational player. Correct. And so so Spurgeon's contract. Uh, in, in fact, so Paul Fenton, God bless him. Oh, man. So Paul Fenton. Another wrinkle. So Paul Fenton, during his time as Wild GM, 
managed to alienate and or freeze out and not talk to some people who he should have talked to. That included Jared Spurgeon. Jared Spurgeon is going into the last year of his current contract, which I think was a four-year deal that Fletcher signed up to extension in, um, back in like 2016. Right. Uh, so Fenton had essentially blown it off, not done it. Bill Guerin gets here and goes right to work and signs uh, Spurgeon very quickly. This came out last uh, Saturday. Jared Spurgeon was signed to a seven-year extension worth $53.025 million. And that will, by the way, not begin in 2019-20. He's going to play out the final year of his contract and then start his contract uh, with the year 2020-21, meaning the contract will go into 2026-27. Your thoughts on on this big a contract um, being signed by a player who certainly is an important part of your defense now, but one, it's a... Another long-term contract. Uh, two is this thing with Spurgeon that scares me is playoffs. Like, if they ever get good and he's in the playoffs, I have no idea that he won't just get his butt absolutely handed to him. But your thoughts? I like the contract because I really thought with Truba getting an $8 million deal that that set the floor uh, for what Spurgeon would want. I, I completely could get that. And the fact he gets a 7.5, so it saves a little bit of, of what he, – he could have gotten a bigger deal if he was on the open market um, going into next summer. I, I truly believe he could have gotten uh, uh, more money. I don't know if he would have gotten seven years, but he certainly would have gotten more than 7.5 uh, AAV. And, you know, his his game, to me, I think does translate well over a long period of time. He's obviously a smaller player, as we've discussed, and that maybe that won't translate to postseason success. But right now, like – I'm not really banking on the Wild being in the postseason and having a, having a good amount of success. And when you go down the list of things that need to go right for the Wild to have success in the postseason, I don't think Jared Spurgeon is high on the list of of, of problems that the Wild are going to face. Like you see, he's a smaller guy, and there was a time period at the beginning part of this decade where smaller guys, especially smaller forwards, um, were supreme, and that was a new kind of thing in the NHL. But now, as we just saw this last postseason, the last two postseasons for that matter, size is back. Um, physicality is back, and Jared Spurgeon, God bless him, a great player, is not size is not what he brings. He he's a very good defenseman, but size is not his strength. So, could he get pushed around? Absolutely. Could he get exposed? Sure. But I'm not really too concerned with how he would perform in the playoffs, simply because I, I don't think his his reason is not going to be the demise of the Wild. He is uh, at least on his Wikipedia page, Declan, listed at five foot nine, one hundred sixty four pounds. So he's basically your weight. Yeah. Uh, well, that's generous. Thank you. That's very nice because I, I don't well, wear that much. Okay, but... you're about 150. Yeah. But oh, nonetheless, okay. he's a small guy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> probably more even intriguing than that is he is 29. He, he will turn uh, 30 in late November of this year. Yep. So that means that he is going to be approximately, what, 37 or 38 by the time this contract expires. Correct. Okay, so here's my question to you. And I like Spurgeon, and I think he's a very nice player. And and bravo, Bill Guerin, for doing something, because Paul Fenton clearly didn't do something like this. But if I ask you this, remove the fact that you like him, remove the fact that this does appear to be a proactive move a- after watching a GM work who certainly was not proactive. Would you have rather done this and locked him up long term right now, knowing what you know about your team, which is actually very little, or waited till the deadline and tried to trade him? and gotten probably a pretty good haul for him. Yeah, so I... I think that's a legit fair question. For sure. I I do think uh, that there was a hard deadline to get this deal done by the season starting. And if they wouldn't have locked him up, you would have 100% had to listen to offers at the deadline for him. Yeah, and I think that might have been 
attractive, to be honest. For sure. In some ways, I'm very curious because because if I'm Garen, I'm saying we're not going to be that good, and you're going to give me this much? Yeah. Because then you can sign him to a seven-year contract, and by the time he's 36, I don't care what happens. Yeah, to him. and he has a full no-movement clause in the first four years of his deal. Of course he does. And then uh, it goes I got down. Two from them. Yeah, from the Hubbards. Good for you. I'm trying to no, I'm trying to get that. The no. Wild. Oh, the Wild. Gave the Wild's giving them out you. to everyone. Good for you. Uh, and then it becomes a ten-team no-modified list for the last three. Okay. So I, I do think from ages, you know, let's just call him thirty because he's thirty in a couple, he's a, mu- a couple months here. From thirty to thirty-five, I don't see his game diminishing. So if he's going to be locked in, that's fine. Uh, but like, but if we're going back to the question of would you have entertained not locking him up and rolling the dice and, and exposing him for a, for a trade deadline? Yeah, I, w- I would have thought about it. We had a whole episode that he could have been the guy that got you a haul. And with so many players locked up to long-term deals, I do see the side of, well, how much money are we really going to have to play with even next summer with Miko coming off the books? And can you still ever land a, a top-notch free agent or, 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 or anyone, for that matter, uh, with, with such limited cap space? Here's my... Here's my question now. Spurgeon looked like you might be one piece of a deadline deal that you could move and get a lot back for. Because, mm-hmm. you know, let's be frank. I'm hoping they're not in the seventh or eighth playoff spot. Right. I'm hoping they either overachieve by a lot, which I don't see, or they're not in, in the playoff race. Uh, that's best. Now, I don't hope that for Bruce because I like Bruce, but that's best for this franchise. You've, you've got to pick a direction, which I they're struggling to do. Um. My problem now is, okay, come March, I mean, Bill Guerin's new here, and Bill Guerin's going to be, you know, much like Paul was last year, he's going to be observing and trying to retool things. When you get to the deadline, which is probably in late February again, if I'm right about that, uh, what do you have to trade to make a splash move to get young talent, to get a young center, to get high draft picks, to get, you know, I can't move Parisi. I know that. And if I could, I'm, not, I'm getting nothing back. Suter, I can't move. Koivu, I can't move. Stahl, I believe I cannot move. I think Stahl has a no move now. I think he does. Okay. Zuccarello has a no move. I'm not going to trade Spurgeon now. I just signed him to a seven-year contract. Zuccarello has a no move. So when I'm so when the snow's flying and we're all freezing our tukuses off in late February, and I say to myself, oh, okay, they can make some moves now to help another team that's going to make the playoffs, and this guy's going to help. Jared Spurgeon would have helped somebody, I think. I don't know, but I don't really care. He would have been attractive. Yeah. What do you move now? Do you move? Can you move? I think it's limited. Dubnik? Because at, yeah. at some point in time, I guess my question is, what, who and what ends the cycle here? Yeah. And, 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 you know, okay, Fiala, I hope is good for their sake. I still don't hate that trade because I think Granlund is, is a great – I think Granlund – I've decided this, by the way. He's Ricky Rubio. Great international player. Yeah. Hall of Fame international player. But put him on the NBA court or the National Hockey League guys, he's okay. Yeah. Nothing to write home about. Good distributor. But anyway, yeah. so so obviously the Nino for Rask trade is just a disaster. Yep. And Rask, I don't think, I think he's going to be off this team, but he's just going to be off the team. Um, the third trade was the coiled Donato trade, which we'll certainly talk about Ryan. But my question is, late February, what, what do you now move when you understand that, okay, I got to do something? In terms of getting value back to yeah, like, and Zucker, yeah. Zucker now has a, I think it's a limited. I, yeah. He could be moved, right? But he he can now call his shots a little bit. Too. Yeah. So I, I think the can players the players that would pop in mind were, are Brodeen. Um, you know, right. I, I think he's a very sound defenseman and very respected defenseman in the league. And I, I don't think you'll get a king's ransom for him, but I think you can 
you can get a decent return back because he's a friendly cap hit and, and a very good defenseman. Dubnik, um, if you're trading Dubnik, and I, th- I, I think we've said this even months ago and we entertained this last season, I think you have to get a goalie back. And so, you, so you're, not, you're not trading Dubnik thinking you're going to get a young piece and a draft pick and this and that. You're, you're, you're just saying, all right, Devin, it was great, great run. This was far and away better than it. we all anticipated this would go. But we need a goaltender back because they're not going to start Staylock for, for, 40, for 45 or 50 games. So you're almost getting a goaltender back that, that's almost at the same level of Dubnik with probably just a year left in his contract. And the team's punting just on, on him just like the Wild would be with Dubnik. So I would think it'd be Brodeen. And then, I mean, then your options basically are Greenway, Cunning, Erickson Eck. Yeah. And, and th- just because they're yeah. young, they're cheap, and they still have potential. And I still – I don't – wouldn't want the Wild really to trade one of them at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I think uh, their value is not so low, but can only go higher as the season goes on. So if you were to trade them, maybe next summer would be that time. But I would say right now, it's on the NHL roster, if, if you're going into this trade deadline looking to for, for pieces in the future, it's Brodeen. I think it's I, I, that's the only one available. Uh, to, to clear things up, Dubnik has a modified no-trade clause in which he can list 19 teams that he can be traded to. Can be, not cannot be. So... 19 teams that he can be traded to. And then I was also going to look at what Zucker has, a modified no-trade clause. He submits a 10-team no-trade list. Okay. So both of them could be moved. Um, that leads us to the conversation of Ryan Donato. Mm-hmm. And I actually like this. Yeah. So I saw reports out of uh, the Wilds' early days in training camp. Ryan Donato has been moved to center. It sounds like Koivu, a right shot, this is smart. This is great. Is moved to right wing because they desperately need right shots on uh, the uh, right Cunnin, wing, correct? Cunnin. Or Cunnin. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's Cunnin, good. Koivu. I was um, like, oh, really? I got Miko on my mind. Uh, yeah, Cunnin, thank you, has been moved to right wing. Donato played center throughout, it sounds like, his youth career. He's played there. I mean, he's college, not, too. Not, yeah, college. So he's not a National Hockey League ready center, but he's played there before. I love this idea. It's worth a shot. Yep. And and Donato's skill set, I think, as long as – and he talked about this, and this is the most important thing. Being a distributor is important, but he was a guy who got here and would shoot a yeah. lot, which, which, by the way, bravo, yes, you yeah. need to shoot more. So I think if he takes that approach and still shoots but is in the pivot, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I th- and Cunning going to the right wing, I like because I like getting – you need to have right-handed shots up for that. And I think – the because I was a little flabbergasted by just – Cunning can't play center. What are you talking about? You know, he was center at Wisconsin juniors and 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 a little bit of time here at the Wild. And then you know, I think I think it's just because Donato is a is a really good skater and and like you said, he's he can he can shoot the puck. And instead of just having a pass pass first center, you now have a, you now have a shoot first center. And you also, which I love, you're giving a top six role to a kid, two kids, and saying here you go, go for it. You know, I I do think. Um, Fiala is going to be the one that ends up taking the right side with Donato and Prezi. You know, I, I think Cunnan stays with Eck and Greenway to start, sure. but you know that. But that's interchangeable. Uh, but the fact of you're putting Donato right away. You know, I, I got so many tweets early in the summer like, no, they have to show up and they got to earn that top six role. Bruce says, no, man, go out. Let's see. Let's see what you can do. We're going to give you this role. Let's see how you handle it. And I did- Love and that. Ryan, and Ryan deserves that. Yeah. I does. thought Donato. Now, I, I know there was the talk about the fact that Greenway and Donato were sent to Iowa for the playoffs and might not have played as well right. as the Wild thought. That I don't care about that. I, I, I it's Iowa. And I think that's a Paul Fenton. Yep. That's a Fenton deal. Should have never been but there. But Ryan Donato, when I saw him play for the Wild, I was impressed. Yeah. And, and I think that was. Uh, and I know. 
Coyle's got his fans here, but I think that was a good trade. I think that was actually a smart trade. Coyle fit perfectly in Boston. He went home. Good for him. He went to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's awesome, Charlie. But Ryan Donato, to me, is far more the type of player that the Wild needs. And I'm with you. Put him in the middle. Make him a top six second line guy. And and give him every chance. Because that's what this team needs. This team needs to transition. And that room itself with the Wild has long enough ha- held a lot of people, I think, who have felt entitled to things. Yeah. So you're not you're not doing that with Ryan in this case, Declan, you're essentially saying, go out there and do it, but we trust you. And that's the thing is you need to, you need to take some of these veteran guys and take things off their plate. And if they like it, great. If they don't, I don't care. But then you take a guy like Donato, who, while he was here, I thought earned every chance to play more. And I love the fact he shoot first. I love the fact that he didn't get here and become part of what appears to be a timid team far too often. You know, Charlie, Charlie drive into the net for a week and then not drive into the net. Seriously, things Mm -hmm. like that drove me crazy. So I think that this is fantastic, and you don't – I'll say this again. You don't have any center I'm very worried about here. Like Stahl's in the middle, I know, to start with. Right. But he's an older man. He's almost he's, – yeah. he's, he's getting towards my age. And what – yeah. And Donato is young. He deserves that chance. But there's nobody who you say, well, that guy has to be used this way. Mm-hmm. And what's impressive is with Donato playing center is now there's a ceiling. Now we fi- there, there's a ceiling where, oh, man, he can actually – if he takes us and runs with it, and the best case scenario is him becoming a top line center, we have found it. Um, because right now, like you said, with Stahl and Koivu and Eck, we know what they have. You know, I, I think um, even Eck, who, who showed flashes last year after Koivu went down, um, you, you saw a little bit of a ceiling, but I think you're starting to figure out who he's going to be as an NHL player. But with Koivu and Stahl, they're 35, 34 years old. They've probably already had peaked production wise. Um, so you. you you now have this piece in Donato that's young and, and has a ceiling and can actually break the mold. So you're rolling the dice a little bit, and you're putting him in a big position to be successful. I think it's great, and it also means that Miko Koivu right now, I think Miko's your fourth-line center when he comes. I, I, and, and Bruce said on Saturday that I, I think Koivu knows he doesn't want that. Like Miko, Miko, Miko doesn't want that, and Bruce knows that he's, he's fighting at the bit because he wants his spot back. So, so I mean— fine as a competitor to be like yeah I want my role but still love it that he's going to that he's putting Donato in the position of no 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 we're going to put this young kid up here Miko you're going to be our fourth liner you can still be our top penalty killer you could even get some power play time here and there if you want but right now I think the way this roster's breaking down I think Miko Koivu is going to be your fourth line center Stall Donato Eck Eck Koivu. I like that. I think. I guess my gut would say that I think that Miko probably ends up as the third line. He probably does. But I love your. I love how you're thinking, and yeah. But that's all. But that's what this team should be about. Yes. This, this team needs to. And you know, we we've talked about this on Judd's Hockey Podcast for months. This team needs to empower its young players yeah. and move on. And that doesn't mean that the old guys can't have roles. But they're roles. They're roles now. They're not. You know. They're not calling the shots. And Miko, this need. You know, this needs to be. He's coming off an ACL and meniscus, correct? Yeah, it was a I believe pretty, he big, tore on ball. pretty big injury. So if he gets back, that's fantastic. And if he plays, that's great. But this needs to be his last year here. And, and you know, you play it out. And if he's your fourth-line guy, and I'll say this, if it starts off being Stahl, Donato, Miko, Eck, and Eck starts to play well, then I say, Miko, I can't do it. I can't justify it. You are our fourth-line guy. You're our fourth-line center and it might not be fair to you but it's how we have to do things it's yeah. how we have to and th- that's the that's what 
I'm talking about. This team at some point in time has to move on towards its future plan. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be stuck with some guys, and there's nothing that you can do about that, I don't think. And if they're happy, they're happy. And if they're not, they're not, and I don't care. But, yeah, that's your plan has to be all about how can we get really as good as possible really soon. And, and that's why the ability to trade Spurgeon I really sort of liked because that could, yeah. have, that could have landed you an impact trade. Brodeen, to your point, I like him, but and I think he's very solid and respected, but I don't think, you can, I don't think he lands you an impact right. trade. So some at some point in time, Billy Guerin has to go to Craig Leopold and say, you know, you're not going to like what I'm about to do because you like these guys personally, but that's not my job to worry about that. And so Miko, God bless him. You know, the the, la- the last game of the season, we're going to have a Miko oh, yeah. night oh, yeah. and make it very clear that he's not coming back, yeah. but, you know, in, but also honor him and, you know. That's that's that. It's done. It, it you know it's pro sports. It's not pretty. Yeah, and that's it's not pretty. I like that. I just like that Bruce is putting young players in positions to be successful. Well, also, I mean, he's still respecting that Koivu does eventually want to get back into his top six role of what he's always had. But I, you have to. I think Bruce is smart enough to know that Miko, you can c- compete and fight and work for all you want to try to get that role back. But for the betterment of this team. We're going to put you on well, the fourth line. And once the knee went, that was that was pretty yeah. much it. If the knee hadn't gone, you might have a problem here. Yep. But I would say, Miko, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like the knee went. I'm I'm very very sorry. Um, but we can't be you. You know what? Go be really good. Yeah. Go win faceoffs. Do what you do at your age with a bad leg, basically. Yeah. And um, if you want to go and look like your brother Sako did, end your career with the Ducks or something next year, that's awesome. Go do that. Yeah. All right, so you actually went to the scrimmage and practice on Saturday? Yeah, I did. At, um, at Tria. At Tria. Start me off by telling me about the Eck-Greenway-Cunnan line. Yeah, so those three got, I would say, the majority of ice time out there. And, you know, it was a split squad, you know, mostly some regular wild players, some of their Traverse City prospect invitees, and then other prospects they have in the system. Uh, but those three got by far the most ice time and were the most dominant on the ice. And... You know, it's a scrimmage. You can't really, you know, take how when when those three are dominating prospects and and invitees. You can't really, you know, take it too seriously. But it was encouraging that those guys had a really good game. Um, you know, I I did ask Bruce about it, and I got a great Bruce Boudreaux burn, which was awesome. Um, first of the season on the first practice of the year, so that was fun. I asked He's him great. if if those three, you know, can play in the first exhibition game. I kind of mis- got mistaken that, um, you know, that they they might not play right away. Uh, but eventually they're going to get every crack to be in the lineup and, 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 and have continuity out there. So I, I thought that was encouraging. Uh, you know, we, we also saw at the same time guys like Charlie Coyle in training camp for years dazzle, right? I mean, you, you take four months oh, off, sure. you see that big guy going up and down the ice, and you're thinking, oh, here's Charlie. Finally, it's going to break through. Yep. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt for sure, but also it, it's encouraging that, that those three played very well. Um, Victor Rask was out there as well, I, and I, I know his skating has been the biggest question mark. He moved decently. Again, what what do you take away from a scrimmage like that? How seriously can you? Victor was out there uh, skating with Felino and just another. It's over. Another guy. Yeah, I, I don't know, what, and I just don't know what they're going to do with them. I got you know what I I actually think for home games, I've got an idea. Okay, I've got a good press box seat. Yeah, and there, there's ordinarily a seat by me. Yeah. I think he should watch the games with, with me. us, and we can commiserate. I, I can talk to him about my days as a goalie playing uh, mm-hmm. boot hockey. He can talk to me about his days at Carolina, yeah. and 
then we can watch games, eat popcorn together. That sounds great. Because we'll, we'll, be, we'll both be <laughs> healthy scratches because we're not very good at hockey. No, I know. And that's, it's, it's over It's though. so tough. Uh, it's and, just a terrible and, trade. And, it's, one of the wor- it's the worst trade. I think it's safe to say now it's the worst trade that that team has, will, has or will and, ever make. And as we've said before, you know, we understood why Nino was moved. You know, he oh, was the first domino that fell, right? Totally get it. Um, and I was encouraged that you said, well, let's give this guy a chance, right? Let's give him a chance. It so went it went terrible. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like it's going to have a happy ending. But maybe he does find his way in the lineup. And, and, and especially if, let's say, Miko has a setback or if any center, for that matter, gets injured. Victor Rask, that's gonna that's probably gonna be the only way that Rask fits himself into the lineup every day is if a major injury happens to one of their core centers. Correct. Um, and right now you can send him to Iowa, which saves you a little bit of cap relief. But I, does does Rask want to do that for morale? And do they want to just do that in general, having a guy making now three and a half? And wouldn't million? his status create problems there though exactly. because of his t- time in the? No, but I'm saying wouldn't the wouldn't the procedure of trying to demote him be an, an issue because he's been in the league so long? Yeah, and that could be it too. Yeah, you know, so, I, it's so, just not gonna. It's not gonna work. It's fine. It, it, they screwed it up, young. And you know, but but they can't. I'm I'm serious. I they can't buy him out. They, I I don't want any more. So it, I think it's three sure. years left of twelve million dollars. Oh. So so um that would be a six year buyout. And I got the Nino move. I really did trading him. Yeah, but that's, that's a that's a Mark Parrish level buyout. Just, People talk about Vanek's buyout being well, being an issue. Mark Parrish had a buyout for six flipping seasons here. Uh, right. You know, I, I, I've been bought out once. It's a great feeling. You get paid not to do anything. But at the same time, um, I don't know what they're going to do with Victor. It, it's a tough t- tough yeah. pill to swallow. Final thoughts Final. before we wrap up this? Uh, uh, I've uh, not seen them scrimmage or play yet. Yeah. Because we, we both were at the Twins-White Sox game on uh, Tuesday night as they were as they were losing to a nondescript Dallas team in overtime. Yeah, Intriguing that they rolled out pretty much their starting roster outside of Miko. And they played the Dallas Stars, not even AHL, like BCHL team. Yeah. Um, and they lost in a shootout, yeah. like three on three, stall skating sluggishly behind. It was deja vu, but all over again. And not a not not a great not a great start. I can't there. have the expectations I have and then get upset about a preseason game because my expectations are zero. So. Right. All right, so That's we're done. It. Yep, we got it. Judd's Hockey Podcast. Uh, I, I would take it that if we're both available, we will now be back on a weekly basis throughout the rest of uh, training camp. And then, obviously, the regular season starting. We will talk to you soon.